Blog Talk Radio. Hello there. Tonight's episode partner for Ready to Unload number 182 is once again our friends No Fuss and Feathers Roadshow. Fuss and Feathers Roadshow, an evening with Carol Ann Solabello, Karen Oliver, and the Yayas will be live at the New Jersey Botanical Gardens on Friday, August the 22nd at 6.30 p.m. It's an outdoor evening concert on the grounds of the beautiful, aforementioned New Jersey Botanical Gardens. If you live in that area, you should definitely go. Go to facebook.com backslash no fuss and feathers roadshow for details. Okay, time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, number 182. Holy cow, that's a lot of shows. Nice. Gentlemen, <laughs> we're tonight's entertainment. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Johnny and the mothers are playing something at the Savoy in Vermont tonight. Berman's gonna kill my brother at the Savoy Theater tonight. I didn't say that. No, but I know this grapevine. Why would I put it there? Kindness? 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 You stole it! He's selling! We have top men working on it right now. Who? Top men. I don't know why that seems like such a bigger number than 181. We did 181 last week. It did not seem this big. Hi, welcome to the program. It's Thursday night. It is July the 3rd. It is 2014. It is 10 p.m. It is time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Podcast. Nice. Coming to you live from Comac, New York and Bayside, New York. No freehold, New Jersey. PJ's been in Disney for seven months. We're waiting. We're just waiting for a postcard that says uh, "sold the house," and I am now uh, uh, playing Goofy in the afternoon show. Um, hi, welcome to the program. I am uh, one of your hosts, the aforementioned Sam Pete, Steve San Pietro. Can't don't have my own name there. Good job, everybody. And. Um, I'm joined by my co-host. We will not be joined by the bishop. 
Big Donuts PJ tonight, as I as I mentioned. He's still in Disney. Walking his ass off. If he had an ass when he went down there, he ain't got no ass no more. Uh, but I am joined by Cal. Yeah, that's right. Cal. He's the co-host. There he is. Yep. Let me tell you guys something, all right? I love this guy. I don't just like this guy, okay? I love this guy. 182 times I've done this show. 182 times. Here he is. Mr. Brian Calniva Calpino Caliente. Uh, hi, Bri. Uh, I guess Bri can't hear me. I don't know if he can hear me. I'm gonna, I'm going to keep talking. I don't know if Blog Talk Radio can hear me. <laughs> what are you trying to say, Brian? <laughs> um, I guess we're having some technical difficulties with Blog Talk Radio. That's what I'm being told. So I will keep talking and continue the episode while Cal tries to figure this out. This is what happens when PJ is away. The show goes to crap. It goes to Helena Handbasket or Helena Montana. Um, we uh, don't know if we're live. We don't know if we're streaming. We don't have that piece of equipment anymore. Um, Cal, are you there? Can you hear me? But you're not speaking. Why are you not speaking? I see. I see. Cal's microphone is not working. Okay. <laughs> We just played the worst game of charades in the history of mankind on Uvu. Uvu is working. Cal's microphone, eh, not so much. So uh, I'm going to carry this bad boy. I'm going to carry it till he, till he figures that out. Anyway, welcome to Ready to Unload number 182. As I said, it feels like more. Boy, I played that intro music and everything. You are taking the long way home. It, uh, it does. It feels like more shows. I don't know why 182 seems to be... This weird number, but every time I say it, it seems like so many more than 181. Um, we do have a lot of New York sports to talk about. I'm sure we'll get Cal's mic figured out in a second. Uh, but uh, we do have a ton to talk about. It, you would think it would sort of be a dead season, uh, considering the state of the two New York baseball teams. Uh, the Yankees are struggling, and the Mets are just really an abject catastrophe. And disaster, in the smallest sense of the word, because it's only baseball, yes. But uh, they're a mess. So the World Cup has just ended. There is World Cup... Uh, what's the word? <laughs> there, is, there is World Cup... Uh, it's not morning. Morning's not the right word. But I think there's a hangover. There, there it is. World Cup hangover um, is happening. And... You know, I found that game on Tuesday to be really fascinating. We talked a lot last week about the World Cup, soccer, soccer fans, what soccer fans had been saying to me, and I'm around a lot of them. And I, I think it was an interesting game in the sense that obviously Tim Howard played an incredible game. I'm just going to start talking about the World Cup while we wait for Cal. But obviously, Tim Howard played an incredible game, a once-in-a-lifetime game. But making 16 saves is not a good thing. 
that means that your team got dominated. Um, but it was interesting to see basically everybody in New York watching the game. And that was cool. I feel like the qualifying game had more juice. I don't know why. But oddly, the qualifying game, to me, had more juice. So we got that out of the way on Tuesday. And again, I'm not going to sit here and break down the game. There are people far, far better than at that than I am. But, for example, I thought that uh, Bradley is a <laughs> terrible player. And one of our buddies likened it to watching like an all-star game for, or watching a World Series for baseball. I thought Bradley had a terrible tournament. And it's like watching the World Series in baseball and seeing like Robinson Cano go two for 20. And people that watch American soccer all the time know that Bradley's very good. And he just had a really bad tournament. And he was, you know, just didn't play well. Um, so I have, of course, a bad impression of him. Uh, but I... I feel like the hangover from soccer here in the United States is very much, I don't know if it's, uh, it's weird. I don't know if it's, people are desperate for it to take a foothold or desperately want it to mean more than it did. And because of Tim Howard's incredible performance we're supposed to believe it's going to take more of a foothold than it did before look obviously it's grown a ton since 2006 it's grown a ton it's grown exponentially um and the interest in it has grown i still don't know if it moves past an every four year interest situation and i think soccer fans are desperate for it to move past in every four years (laughs) <laughs> you know, interest situation. Uh, Keith Overman, whether you like him or not, and I know many do not like Keith Overman, um, did a very interesting open on Tuesday night for his show on ESPN, and it was basically the se- well, it wasn't basically, it was the seven things to fix soccer in this country. And I thought it was extraordinarily well written. I thought if you could get past the fact that it was Keith Overman, if you don't like him. Um, you would enjoy it. But he he hit on something that we talked about on the show last week, and that was stop, you know, um, American soccer fans have to stop the desperation of trying to get everybody to be an American, to be a soccer fan, you know, and, and just enjoy the game and realize that it's okay for, you know, Americans to get into it every four years. The other thing he said that I loved was stop trying to be England Junior. Stop using words like pitch and nil and using all the terminology. That is my uh, 11-month-old son, by the way. You'll hear in the background. Um, I, I believe Cal is with us. Did we, did we do it? Have we achieved it? Why did I turn into Dr. Evil there? Did we do it? Have we achieved it? Uh, I guess not. I thought I had him. Um, but Overman's point was, make it American. You know, establish your own traditions. Don't borrow the traditions from another country. And that will give us some ownership of 
United States soccer because right now everything is borrowed. And he even you know, went to the point of the MLS, like the MLS team names and stuff, like stop trying to be DC United or whatever. You know, pick American team names. Let Americans get behind the sport in an American way. So I, I thought if you never watched that show, then you can get it in podcast form, but if you never watched that show, his open um, uh, from Tuesday night was really, I thought, fantastic. I really did think it was great. Um, the, other, the other sort of major thing going on here is uh, a, a Mets blogger for, I also went to the dentist today for the first time in five years. That's big news. Um, we'll get to that. <laughs> I have been on record many a time saying dentistry is a complete racket. So we'll, we'll get to my dentist visit today. It was a cleaning, and it was extensive. Um, and it was, after five years, I think a sandwich from 2012 might have come out of one of my molars. Um, she was very gentle. Could have gotten very ugly in there. Cal, are, are you with us? I think I am. Ah, there he is. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Wait, no, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) Come on, where is it? Where is it? There it is. (laughs) He just came. (laughs) Mr. Brian Calniva, Calpino Caliente. Just came running in the door. Why are you wearing a white tuxedo? I just knocked a random person over on the street. Did you just defuse a bomb? Is that why you were is that why you were late and couldn't get your microphone to work? Yes, a bomb Wait. at a cocktail party. Cuz that's, that's why I'm wearing a tuxedo. Right, exactly. Cut the red wire or is it the blue one? Here I don't goes. know. <laughs> Somebody hold my Bombay Sapphire Martini <laughs> while I cut this wire. Oh. I'm late for my podcast. Oh, this technology business, I'm telling you. You just missed um, me vamping about the World Cup. I got the Oberman thing out of the way, though, so you don't have to talk about it. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. (laughs) You don't have to mention his name. For those of you who don't know, Cal does not care for Keith Oberman. Does not care for him. And it has nothing to do with his politics. No. It's strictly sports speaking. It's strictly uh, Keith Olderman speaking. I don't like the man. You don't like when Keith Oberman speaks. No. Let me ask you a question. Can you please say that as a 65-year-old Long Island mother? I don't care for the Keith Oberman. <laughs> the Keith Oberman. Why does it always become that? <laughs> the. I don't care for the rock and roll music or, or the Keith Oberman. Or that Keith Oberman. I just right. I just made him Keith Operman. Keith Operman. Right. Which is what my grandmother would have called him in the day. Who's this Keith Operman? Is he related to Oprah? Yes. No. Yes, he is, Grandma. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so how uh, how are you? What did I miss? Fill me uh, up. Fill I me in. I did the whole show. Oh, we're done. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's oh. a wrap, everybody. Good night, everyone. Go get a sandwich. Hey, stay safe tomorrow.
you had the you had your July Fourth sign off all ready to go. I did, and I just I think I just blew it. Stay safe, everyone. Ninety minutes early. I um I I talked. To, I'm good. I was as I was saying. I went to the dentist today for the first time in five years. Oh, that's where you were. I knew uh, you were somewhere. Yeah, that's the where dentist. it was. That's where I went off on uh, Doctor Ira Stat because I I was in the waiting room. So you were already anxious. Correct. We'll talk about this in the big unload. Um, I have two things for you in the big unload, and they one of them is related to today's uh, interaction with our buddy uh, Evan. And our buddy Dan. Our buddy Dan had the audacity, (laughs) the sheer unfettered audacity to suggest that what Sandy Alderson, the general manager of the New York Mets, intrepid general manager of the New York Mets, said in the New York Post today, or yesterday, today, was great. He loved it. He loved the interview. And I've had this fight with Dan recently, Cal. Well, Not fight, but discussion. Well, and that's, I think that has to play into what happened a little today. Yeah. Because he knows where you stand on him. He does. And this was, his making that comment, Cal, was a direct response to that big discussion we had, got, had when we went out to dinner. So he's, he's needling me a little bit. When Sandy Alderson comes out in the post and says, you know, I like our team. We have a small run differential. We should be better than we are. I built this team. I'm sticking with the plan. It's a process. You can't just dump the players, et cetera, et cetera. All the things that literally made you want to strangle someone and, and me right into the bargain with you. Oh, oh, you're talking about me specifically? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, that was it. Well, no, I did. Right. Straw, last. Camel's back, busted. Like the tin roof in in Love Shack. Right. Rusted. Um, so he says, I love what Alderson said. This is why he's sticking with the plan. And Dan is on record as A, a Yankee fan, but B, also thinking that Sandy Alderson, that Met fans just need to be patient. Need to continue to be patient. He's building something, and what would have signing what would signing Kendrick Morales, Kendris Morales or Stephen Drew have done this year anyway? Because you're not ready to win. What it would have given you four more wins, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So he writes this in our in the chat room, and I Cal, I thought I handled it well <laughs> because our buddy Ev. Chimes in and goes, you know, I'm surprised you guys are down on Alderson, you know. Did you really think Stephen Drew was going to make so much of a difference? Oh, boy. And I, <laughs> you had to have been looking at your phone like, here we go. <laughs> I, what I did was I put my phone down, <laughs> sat back in my chair like this. Hands <laughs> behind the head, right. I took a deep breath and said, all right, here we go. And you just let it buzz. Yeah, and then it just... That was it. And then it just, it just buzzed for the next seven minutes. Because to, to the point where there, I had somebody in my office at the moment, and they said, do you, do you have to get that? Nope. I said, no, we're good. It's just some crazy guy I do a podcast with. Because to the uninitiated, cell phone was buzzing like that. <laughs> You'd think there was an emergency. <laughs> right. Like somebody was in danger. 
And quite frankly, somebody wasn't dangerous. Somebody wasn't dangerous. That's correct. I was I was a little bit it was akin to when you're at Thanksgiving dinner and somebody says something about like Fox News to the super conservative uncle. Right. And everybody just goes, Oh boy, oh here we go. Here we go. Like somebody says like yeah, like or or the other way around. Like somebody says something defending Fox News to the super liberal uncle or aunt, and it's like, oh boy, here we go. Somebody mm. rang a bell. Yeah, <laughs> when that happened, <laughs> it was it was really. <laughs> it was. I tried to be as measured as possible. I really did. I was going to. I, I was going to read. I was going to read the transcript of this in the oh, big okay. to open the big unload. So, are we ready okay, to good. go to the big unload? Do we need to talk about my teeth cleaning? Um, are they clean? I believe they are. I I just want this on record. Forty years, never had a cavity. Still, still. Wow, the streak is intact. You know, everybody likes to talk about Lou Gehrig on July fourth. <laughs> Well, move over, Iron Horse. There's a new streak in town. There's just one problem. What's two, that? two actually. I grind my teeth miserably when I sleep. So okay. while there's no cavities, there's not much left of my teeth. That's a problem. I guess that's, you know, six and one. Problem number two. Doesn't have the other. <laughs> I smoked for 15 years. Hmm. Now, I haven't had a cigarette since August 20th, 2010, right? Coming up on my my four-year anniversary of not even one cigarette, nary a cigarette. But which, by the way, that's amazing. It's, uh, again, Gehrig. It's all about the street. I got to like eight months, and then I became Ripken. And I was just like, I can't can't have a cigarette now. (laughs) That would be like Ripken sitting out, you know, like... 14 years into the streak. Like, you can't... That would be like Ripken having a cigarette. <laughs> Which he probably did, many of them. I'm, I'm sure. Um, I think we would be shocked at how many baseball players smoked back in the day. I don't think... Well, no, because we know... We kind of assume, so I don't know if we would... I'll never forget David Cohn meeting him after a game in 1991. A 167-pitch complete game against the San Francisco Giants, which would never happen today, ever. No. Ever. The manager would be arrested. Like they, they, would, be, yeah. they would be taking the manager out in cuffs if he let a pitcher throw 167 pitches. The general manager would bring the, the police onto the field <laughs> and point at the manager and say, that man right there, take him away. Exactly. Like there would ne- and David Cohn was he probably could have pitched three or four more innings. He I think he struck out like I think he struck he walked like seven, gave up two hits, and struck out like sixteen. I mean it was a ridiculous performance. And That's I was crazy. I was sitting behind home I think I've told you the story. I was sitting behind home plate for it. Yeah. Because it was my baseball or my uh, birthday game. So I always had great seats for the one game a year uh that I went to for my birthday. And Cone, I'll never forget. That was when I used to wait around for autographs. And you could do that. Like, you just used to wait by the player's exit. 
And they would come out, and, you know, you'd hang around long enough, they would come out and sign something for you. It wasn't a big deal. And we're going to talk about memorabilia later in off-putting, off-topic, off-putting topic. Off-rooting. Off-putting. Off-putting. I think it's it's P-U-D-D-I-N-G now. It's off-putting. And, you know, I'm waiting for David Cohn to come out and hopefully get his autograph. I was... 16, probably. Uh, 91, 17? Yeah, I was 16 or 17. It might have been 90. Uh, I've yet to go to baseball reference and look up the actual game. I should do that. But um, he comes around the corner, Cal, and he's got a cigarette. He's smoking a cigarette. And, of course, you could smoke inside then. You could smoke anywhere then. Oh, yeah. And uh, you could smoke in a nuclear reactor then. Like, nobody cared. Guys, <laughs> like, Three Mile Island. Pff, whatever. Um, and he's just—I I was shocked and stunned. And he yeah. sort of put it out quickly because he realized that there were people waiting for him. And I didn't smoke then. I didn't start smoking until I was 21. Um, good move, by the way. Power move. Great thinking. <laughs> it's really a habit you want to pick up in your 20s. Um, you've been able to avoid it for that long, and then all of a sudden you start smoking. Great thinking. Uh, I think we might have lost Cal again for a sec. Um, so we'll get him back in a second. But the the PS to the story was um, was that uh, Cone like immediately put the cigarette out when he saw everybody, and he came out and signed my hat. It was very nice. And I said to him, uh, "Crazy game tonight." He had incredible stuff. He really did. He had incredible stuff, and uh, it was one of the better games I've ever seen. Pitched against the uh, the Giants, I think it was. Anyway, um, I seem we seem to have lost Cal's mic again. I think he's going to reboot uh, and see if he can get his microphone to work again. Um, or we could uh, make. Hey, Cal, maybe you should go on the iPad. Maybe go on the iPad. Uh, maybe go on Skype on the iPad. Um, so uh, anyway, I'm going to read this transcript while Cal gets this figured out. As part of our big unload. But this was great today. Because these these two guys are Yankee fans. And really it was like a sit back and fire at will sort of thing. Uh, so let me hear. Here we go. We have this, of course, chat room where we all speak uh, to each other. We talk about sports. We talk about all this stuff. So Evan writes, um, <laughs> Dan... Dan got the party started by saying, Alderson interview in post today is exactly why I love him. And so I wrote, of course you do. You haven't been watching dreadful baseball for five years. And Dan wrote, ha ha. So uh, I wrote, Dan, it's quite possible that Cal just punched a puppy when he read what you wrote about Alderson. <laughs> and Cal wrote, I actually found a puppy named Alderson and kicked him. Then I recited some advanced metrics to prove that I didn't actually kick him. So it's the, the, the witty repartee is in full swing. Uh, so then Evan writes, I'm surprised that this is your guy's attitude. I know they were supposed to be better this year and better by now, but who did you really want them to sign over the last two years? Would Drew have made you happier? And that was it. That's probably the point where Brian put down the phone and just let it ring. So here's what I fired off. And this is part of the big unload because uh, it it directly pertains to the Mets. (laughs) 
You're missing the picture entirely here, Ev. It's not about this year or who they were supposed to sign. It's about them right now with this ball club continuing to tell us that they are close, continuing to pretend that they are not a terrible team. He said yesterday, Alderson, this is, that he likes his team that he has, and if you look at the run differential, they should have a better record. Well, unfortunately, baseball is not played on paper. There are zero position players in the pipeline that are less than two years away. We have been watching Lucas Duda and Ruben Tejada for four years now, and the jury is still not out somehow for them. And the jury is still out somehow for them, but it is not out for us. Of course, he's had no money to work with. You cannot kill him for that, but you can kill him for not buying well when he's been in the bargain basement bin. Boy, I love that line. I use it all the time. There is zero accountability for this losing. The manager gets an extension because he went 50 and 50 over 100 games. There is zero light at the end of the tunnel. All the prospective great pitching in the world doesn't mean a thing if you can't score a run. And Alderson has shown zero willingness to trade any of that pitching to get a bat. He punted the season the day that Matt Harvey had surgery. And after assuring the fan base for four years that this was the year there would be money to be competitive... They spent money, but all they did was replace money that came off the books. Their payroll will actually wind up being less than it was last year. Sandy Alderson finds Chris Young in the bargain basement bin. There is no reason to go into the season with Ruben Tejada as the shortstop and Duda and Ike Davis at first base. None. (laughs) There is also no reason to rush to give Chris Young $7.5 million 10 minutes into free agency. But once again, Sandy Alderson thinks he is smarter than everyone else. Where is the hope for this team? This is all still one, one long text. Harvey, Wheeler, Syndergaard, Nice, G, DeGrom, Montero. Well, that's all fantastic. But if two of them are healthy and successful, you will be above the norm. And even so, who hits? So, I took a little issue. I wouldn't say a lot. I took a little issue with uh, with that with that <laughs> that assessment by Dr. Eristad, our buddy Ev. And then, of course, Cal did jump in and say it's not about who they didn't sign; it's about their philosophy and these and years of being a terrible team. And then I wrote, I feel like Admiral Akbar turning the floor over to General Nadine. Cal writes, it's hard to understand the emotion of it if you're not a Mets fan, because in practicality, it looks like a sound strategy from the outside. See, this is the kind of discourse we're having uh, in WhatsApp. Um, and, uh, I, and I continued to go. Again, this was all in the waiting room at the dentist's office waiting to go in. Um, and Cal is, uh, is trying to get called back into the show. We're having the technical difficulties. The technical difficulties. Uh, I wrote, I've been able to see the practicality of his plan for four years, and I have agreed with many parts of it, but I also think, and I also think he's done a very good job rebuilding the farm system, but he has not implemented his plan on the major league level because position players that should have been jettisoned and replaced with better players have not been. And there seems to be a reliance on advanced metrics to continue to tell the fan base something completely contrary to what their eyes see every day on the field. And then Cal pointed out, and he's not even responsible for the farm system. That's Paul DePodesta. Yes, it is. But DePodesta is executing a shared philosophy. So I do think that Alderson needs to get some credit for that. But regardless, he was brought here to be a steward for the bloodletting that occurred because the Wilpons are criminals. (laughs) May have gotten a little saucy there. Uh, 
And that bloodletting is over, and they are no closer to being a competitive team than they were three, year, they were three years ago when it started. <laughs> so so uh, Evan writes, well, well. And then in parentheses, stuff's foot in his mouth. <laughs> Cal writes, aren't you glad you asked? <laughs> I am, actually, Evan writes. I understand Steve's angry 11 p.m. tweets much better now. <laughs> So there you go. That was the discourse today. And that's part of the big unload. Something this week, which was pretty amazing, um, a guy uh, who writes for CBS Sports, um, and he, he writes about the Mets for CBS Sports Online. Um, his name is Brad Callett. It might be Callett or Calais. I think we're going to have him on the show, actually, uh, which is great. Hopefully, Cal's mic will be working with it. Um, he wrote a, a pretty amazing article on uh, the CBS local spot about being a Met fan. And the title of it was, I love the Mets, but I just can't watch them anymore. And this was, this was pretty amazing. This was like a pretty amazing article because it really summed up something that Brian and I have been talking about for three or four months on this show. And that is, and, and now especially that the season has started, and that is, if you're a diehard Mets fan who grew up with this team, they are unwatchable live. And that's because it's much less painful, he points out in the article, that he watches them on on GameCast or at bat or whatever, because it's much less painful to read their futility than to actually see it. And... He's right. And then that night, this was uh, last Friday, and that night they went out and played the absolute perfect game to go along with the article that uh, he wrote. I mean, they played a game that was so unwatchable in so many instances that I watched where I would have been so much better off watching it on at bat or GameCast. So I wouldn't. This was the night that they blew the rundown with the Pirates. Hey, Cal. Hi, Steve. Hi. Welcome back. Um, I'm just talking about. I read the uh, the whole transcript there. And uh, reading all of the chat. Yes, and reading it back. First of all, we are quite erudite on WhatsApp. <laughs> In a chat room. Yeah, I must say. Um, and uh, I don't feel. I feel a lot better in the cold light of. This evening, uh, I feel a whole lot better about what I wrote. I didn't realize that I was that succinct. No, it was it was very well written, and it was it was like it was all there and ready to just be streamed out of your brain, out of your consciousness. <laughs> and all it took was, well, I like what Sandy Alderson is doing. And that was like the key that unlocked it. Right. And all of a sudden, my fingers have never flown faster on, a, on my iPhone. That's all it took. On my, on my iPhone. Um, all it took. And I mentioned how you, you, know, you sort of jumped in um, just to really you know, sort of uh, make sure that I, I stayed on track and on points and on message. Well, right. But um, but I, no, I was just uh, I was just segueing that Brian to the uh, the Callet article, 
which was really sort of amazing. I mean, I think Brad Callett's article, I think it's Callett or Calais, I'm not sure. It was the day that we were talking about just that thing. Exactly. And then he wrote an article about it. And, and wrote an article that... He said it much better than we did. Yeah, it completely encapsulated something you and I had been talking about for the better part of three months. And he, he was like Paul Schaefer in the early, you know, Letterman days. Uh-huh. Where like, you know, once again, you have summed up my thoughts, crystallized my thoughts perfectly. I mean, he really did. About how they've become an unwatchable team. And there's no light at the end of the tunnel. And he's finding it difficult to believe in Sandy Alderson's plan. And the manager should be fired. And I mean... Everything we've been talking about. He really, really did have it all. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> and I mentioned we're, we're going to have him on the show, hopefully next week. Um, he, is, he said he would love to come on. And, um, and so hopefully we'll have Brad on the show next week. Um, but if uh, hopefully we have your uh, your microphone fixed. Should we try to uvu again? I'd love to see your face. No. We can't do that. I think that's part of the problem. I see. Are you doing that on the same machine? I am. I see. Um, FaceTime not working so much. Right. So let's just go with it. How about uh, FaceTime on your iPhone? Trying that. All right, sir. Um... I'm on. We're talking. I hear you. You hear me. It's a podcast. It is. It is a podcast. I just. I've gotten so used to seeing you. So maybe. Well. Maybe. Well. You know. If you need to see me, you might not be able to hear me. I. Uh, I'm trying your cell phone. I know you're trying my cell phone. No. Yeah. You can't possibly. I have my cell phone in my hand. No, but it was just. <laughs> And it was trying to FaceTime you? It was. Wow. And that didn't work. Nothing is working. All right, sir. Tonight. Let's just talk. Let's just talk it out. Like an old-time phone conversation. Why not? Can we, get, can we mix in a busy signal at some point? <laughs> just for old time's sake? For old timey's sake. Yes. So this is what I have for you in the, uh, the big unload tonight. Okay. So uh, that all that said, the Mets sit 11 games under 500. I don't know what you said. I wasn't on, but uh, no, I just I just read back our conversation. I know I'm joking, and uh, I hate you so much because you can't see me, so you don't know that I'm joking. Right? You, I could never tell. I could <laughs> never tell. Um, oh boy! And uh, you're a live wire tonight. Yeah, this is uh, this is really going well. I've, I, I technically from my end, right? I'll I'm, tell really, you, I'm really bringing a lot to this one. I'll tell you this much. 39 minutes in, I'm exhausted. Uh, what is it, 182? I don't know how Marin does this every week. Well, that's because he has uh, reliable equipment. And no, 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 no. I didn't. He doesn't have an idiot on the other side that can't connect. I didn't mean podcast. I meant just doing like an open by yourself. Oh. Right. Well, uh, all you have to do is read a chat. Unwritten, by the way. It's all ad-libbed, improv. That was well. Also, Mark Maron's a stand-up comedian. Oh, so I, yeah, he can do that. And I'm, uh, I'm not, clearly. But you are a communicator. I feel like I am. I feel like I am a good communicator. Okay, big unload. You're going to get to do a lot of talking now, buddy. 
All right. Um, so the Mets sit at 11 games under 500. This season is clearly lost. Anybody who thinks otherwise, I would really love to see the evidence that uh, that they might present in any way, shape, or form that the wait. Mets can turn this season around. Well, no, no, wait. nope. No. Are you sure? Yep. I've got a spreadsheet right here that Let's, says otherwise. Then let me hear it. It's called run differential. Right. They're only what are they minus six? It's close. And the Yankees are minus forty-seven. Or you know, something like that. if a hit drops here or a hit drops there, that's a couple of different, couple of more games. Things look a little different. And plus, if you studied statistics and probability in school, you know that eventually these balls are going to fall in. And when they start falling in, and since they're since they're so behind in in the statistical probability of getting hits, this team, that means that they are, their predictive analysis tells them that there's a lot of hits coming, which means they're close now, but think about how close they're going to be because they have all of these hits that are coming to them based on the law of probability. So they're even closer than they say they are. I, um, I hate everything you're saying. That's because you're not smart. <laughs> is that it? That's it. Well, you're not. You're you're certainly not as smart as the gentleman running the team. So those are those are and those are the arguments being made. We talked about this today with my brother about the Islanders, right? About uh, Kuhlman and Gravowski, um, and how uh, the two Islander, uh, the two free agents at the Islanders, on which we can talk about in a bit, by the way. Because um, Garth Snow's interview today was really interesting, Brian. It really was. Um, he's so unpolished, Garth Snow, doing an interview. In, like in a great way. He's really like a guy having a phone conversation with two guys he doesn't know. He's unfiltered? It's not even unfiltered. It's just he just doesn't give a crap. And like... so he, But he says that he doesn't. And he really doesn't, huh? He really does not, and he, again, he sounded like a caller, <laughs> you know, almost like... Like Garth from Uniondale? Yeah, like, almost like calling two guys he doesn't know who are about to ask him questions. Like, there's no polish there, you know? And he opened it by saying, how come you guys have never had me on before? Ah, that's good. I mean, it's, it, it, was, it was amazing. It was absolutely awesome. So, um, but uh, here's what I wanted to do in the big unload. I have questions for you. Okay. Do I have answers? Uh, you get to give the answers. What if I don't have the answers? You can make it up. Oh. We're going to do a little role play. Ooh. So. I'm out of my league. You got to, um, uh, so you get to ask Sandy Alderson five questions. Are you going to play the part of Sandy Alderson? I am only slightly. Yeah. Only slightly. All right. But you get to ask Sandy Alderson if you could ask. I'm, I'm really not going to play the part of Alderson. I just want to hear what if you could sit down and have an unencumbered. That's not the right word. <laughs> <laughs> I love the song Cumbersome, though. Seven Mary Three. Yep. Love that song. Holy I we, cow. I listened we, to it today. 
Really? In the dentist's office? That's correct. <laughs> Is that what you listened to while they were cleaning your teeth? That's correct. I should have been listening to something, by the way. That occurred to me about 22 minutes in. <laughs> into the 57-minute cleaning. That, like, I really, why don't I have headphones on? Why am I not, why am I listening to this scraping? When was the last time you went to the dentist? June 2009. So that's five years. Five years. They had headphones at that point, I think. I'm pretty sure they did. Well, uh, yes, obviously they have headphones in, in society. But I'm talking about in, in the dentist office. Oh, yeah, no, no. I'm talking about my own headphones. Like, why am I not listening to, like, a podcast or WTF or something? I, well, when you go back to the dentist in June of 2019, <laughs> make sure you bring your headphones with you. Right. My, uh, my Invisiray... <laughs> You know, photon headphones. Right. The ro- uh, there's a robot standing right next to you. They'll be hover hover phones. Hover phone. Right. They will actually hover over to me. They're still going to look like headphones, which would go on your head, but right. they're going to hover. They're going to hover. Let me ask you a question. More disappointing that it doesn't exist. From Back to the Future. <laughs> a time machine or a hoverboard? Hoverboard. I gotta go with hoverboard as well. Absolutely. <laughs> you know how great that would be. Is there a bigger disappointment? No. Is, from, wait, from '80s cinema. Oh, if yes, if if you're framing it like that, no, there okay. isn't a bigger disappointment. Right. That we that here we are, 30 years ahead. Right. I think. Right. I think last year was it last year? Or was it 2012? He's supposed to be – so he goes 30 years back, and then he, what, goes 30 years forward? Yeah, I think it was – Is he in 2015? 15. Or is he 25 years forward, so it's 2010? I don't know. It, I think it passed. It came up recently. Yeah, it, it, it came up recently. Like, we would now be where Marty McFly was. Where's my hoverboard? Right. I tried. <laughs> it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. The other night, we're into making up stories now with Wes. So, like, we'll read three stories, and then he wants me to do what I call homemade stories. Uh-huh. So, Daddy, do a homemade story. And I am terrible at this. Terrible. This off the cuff. You've got to come up with right. something. This is, and this is the closer. This is supposed to put him to bed. And he's, you know, he's critical. He is savvy. <laughs> he's critical. And so... This, I just started doing this recently, so or this just became part of our goodnight process or whatever. So Cal started just reciting the plots from '80s movies. Because he that he doesn't know. Once upon a time, there was a boy named Marty, and he was a slacker. This is coming out of my mouth, and, and all of a sudden I'm like five lines into it. I'm like, why? There's no turning back now. And I said, he had a friend. Who invented a time machine? So now i got to explain what a time machine is to a three-and-a-half-year-old. Did he ask? Of course. Yeah. You know how you want to hear how I brought it all back together? You know what the lesson was? What's that? <laughs> Marty was a slacker, and he was always procrastinating, which I, again, had to explain. 
and he uh, was always late for school and late to do his uh, his chores around the house or whatever. I actually said or whatever, and and so his friend Doc Doc Brown built a time machine. He was an inventor. Had to explain what inventor is. He must have liked Doc Brown. <laughs> right. That's all he latched onto. Right. And I said, um, so Marty says he wants to use the time machine to go back in time to be on time and stop being a slacker and, you know, do his chores and, and be on time. And my, Am I immediately taking myself out of World's Greatest Dad again for 2014? No, he doesn't know. And so I said, uh, so then Marty says, but I don't need a time machine. Or Doc Brown said, I don't need, you don't need a time machine, Marty. You'll have a chance to do it again tomorrow. Just do it now you know. You don't need a time machine to go back in time and fix it. You can always fix these things the next day. And the next day, he got up for school, and you know what he did? He got there on time. He got dressed without talking back, which... I don't know why 17-year-old Marty McFly would be talking back. <laughs> I do know somebody who does talk back when, about getting dressed. Sure. So I had to work that in there. And uh, he didn't need a time machine. He, he was no longer a slacker. The end. <laughs> you always got to get the, the end. The end, right. You just stop it. As, as like quick, wherever you are, just say the end. As quickly as possible. The end. Good night, buddy. Yep. This was, of course, uh, <laughs> the night before I had did I had did I had done uh, "Can't Buy Me Love." Oh, very the quick the quick version. <laughs> right. It just involved lying. It didn't involve you know basically what was essentially prostitution. <laughs> anyway, uh, Dad of the Year. Hey. Let's let's get the let's get the awards out. Um, yes, back to Sandy Alderson. Five questions unencumbered with Sandy Alderson. You are allowed to sit down with him and ask him five questions. All right. So the first question is, <laughs> the first question is, what, what the hell, Sandy? What's, what the, what's going on here? Okay. No, I'm just kidding. That's not the first question. That's a, <laughs> that's a dumb question. Yeah. <laughs> The first question is... That, ju- that, that journalism degree really shining on your wall right now. WTF. <laughs> Sandy. Sandy. We will address him, of course, as... Oh, Sandy. That's established. We know this. Right. That was in episode 177. You will address him as... Oh, Sandy. Here's my first question. Why are you talking about the advanced metric? <laughs> What's with your spreadsheets? I don't get um, these numbers. So that's a given. That's a the given. Fir- All right. The first question is, Sandy Alderson, do you have any money to spend on this team? Okay. I love it. I'm writing these down, by the way. That's a good question, right? That's an excellent question. Now, am I, am I asking the questions with a guarantee that I'm going to get an honest answer? Or? Yes. Yes. That's the idea of this exercise. I want you to... Tell me what you would ask him if you could sit down with him and you were going to – it's just you and him. Off the record, off, off-putting, off-road, off-roading, off, 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 off
Off the grid. If off, we were to go off the grid. Off he goes by Pearl Jam. <laughs> song never fails to make me cry. Okay. Um, I cry easy. We can get to that in the fun load. No. What, what, there's nothing fun about that. Yeah, I know. Just, yeah. Watching, just watching Dead Poets Society. End of Dead Poets. Thanks. Ni- Niagara Falls, Johnny Angel. Oh, my goodness. It's very moving. <laughs> okay, so, yes, you're asking these questions. You're going to get an answer. You're off the grid. All right. So, yeah, that's my first question. But are we going to get an answer or no? I, I can tell you we, the, one way we can do this exercise is I can give you what I think his answer would be. Or, right, we, it, just, or we can just ask the questions. Now, I will ask you to specify that question. Are you asking if he's ever had money, or are you asking if he had money this past off season? Do you have money right now to spend on this team? Okay, so not this past off season. Right now, today, July third. Do you have money to spend on this team? And you're trying to find out if they could, say, take on Matt Kemp's contract. Like that's I'm trying, I am trying to find out if they have money to spend on this team. Because if they do, and he's not, the second question is, what are you trying to accomplish in building this team if you are not willing to spend money? Okay. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I like these two questions. Can I just ask for specificity on the second one? What do you want to know? What are you trying to, what are you trying to accomplish in building this team if you're not going to spend money? So are you saying building this team this year, the future? future overall, the okay. future. Okay. Uh, this year is shot. They're not doing anything this year. Right. They could say whatever they want. I don't care. They're not going to win this year. I love this idea that you're saying this to Sandy Alderson as we're having the interview. I am. I'm, I'm Please, address him. Right to his face. <laughs> Mr. Alderson, the next question. Question number three. And I use that term loosely. Do you use the next question loosely? No, the name Alderson. I use oh. it very loosely. I see. If that's your real name... No, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> question. That's the man's name. Uh, so the next question is about the manager. Okay. Do you believe that this is the right man to take this team to the next level? When you're, when you're ready to go to the next level, because clearly you're not right now. But when you are, you think he's the right guy. Okay. That's the next question. I love that question as well. Go on. Have I asked it? How many have I asked? That's three. That's three questions? Two more. Make them count. Oh, boy. Okay. Sandy's, uh, Sandy's got another press junket to do in a few minutes, so two more questions, please. I just, I just leaned in as his handler. Yeah. He's doing horse and hound in uh, two minutes. Boy, is he meeting, is he meeting a, with the nerds of America? That's a reference to Notting Hill, I might add. Did you cry at that one, too? Yes. Of course you did. Shut up. No, I'm not judging. You, <laughs> you're 
your nose is growing. Of course you're, you're judging. judging. Judging is a question. Very judgy. Please. Judge Dredd. Judge, <laughs> Judge Judy. Judy. Judge Judy. We listen to Comedy Bang Bang. Um, hey, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. <laughs> okay, buddy. I actually, I actually brought her room service in Los Angeles. Judge Judy? Yep. Did you call her Judge Judy? I did. No. I did. I worked room service at the W Hotel in Los Angeles. And I worked the overnight shift. And Judge Judy was staying in one of our suites. But and, you, can't, um, you can't address her as Judge Judy. I, I certainly did. I said, Your Honor. She's not a real judge. You're... Your moons over Miami are prepared. No, what did they have? Oh, they had a croque monsieur. I was going to say, did you, were you waitering at a Denny's? I was waitering at a Denny's in the W Hotel. It was <laughs> worst, worst business plan ever. But it was spelled D-E-N-N-I-E-S. I-E-S. It was Denny. <laughs> moons over Miami. The classiest Denny's ever in the W Hotel. It was. It was pronounced Denny. Uh, uh, I, 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 said, I said, Your Honor, I have your croque monsieur. Croque monsieur? How do you say that sandwich? Croque, croque monsieur. Am I saying? You're French-Canadian. It's a delicious sandwich, too. Have you ever had one? I made them. I had to make them. <laughs> Listen, when, you, when you're the overnight guy in room service at the did W you, Hotel. Did you eat them? I, of course I had one. Okay. You had to make the food. Like, they would they would prepare food and have it there, and you had to, like, put the sandwich together <laughs> and then bring it upstairs. You were a one-man operation. Wow. Working the overnight at the W Hotel in room service. Because it was a limited menu. It was, like, a limited overnight menu. So there were, like, three sandwiches and, like, two other things, like, two desserts that they could get, and that was it. And booze. You always brought booze up to... To uh, Judge Judy? Not to Judge Judy. Yeah. <laughs> Why not, though? Take another Schlitz. Let's go. So what? Who cares? So what? Who cares? It doesn't even matter. No, that's Joy Behar. Oh, that's Joy Behar. Anyway, she was, she was lovely, and she tipped me very well. She did? Yep. Oh, how nice. You know who's the, the, one of the best tippers in that hotel? He used to be in there all the time. Uh, Edward James Olmos. Correct. I don't know how you knew that. Yeah. He's legendary for his tipping. Party animal, Edward James Olmos. <laughs> Up all night in the W Hotel. <laughs> Throwing wild parties. That's no. not, this is not true. No, seriously, who? Who's a good uh, tipper? Jackie the Joke Man Martling. Yeah? Always, he stayed there a couple of times and he would like order like, Bring up three cases of Amstel Light, and you know, like he'd always have like something going on in his room, and it'd be crazy and loud and stuff. He was always ordering booze, and he was always a very good tipper. Oh, yeah, because the gratuity was included. He didn't have to give me anything, right? But, but he's a big time celebrity. He can afford to. He was a very big time celebrity. Very that big. time, <laughs> imagine that on the floor at one time. I had Jackie the Joke Man, Martin, and Judge Judy. Really top notch. A-list stuff going on at the W and you're, Hotel. And, you, and you're making uh, French grilled cheese sandwiches for them. French grilled cheese sandwiches. <laughs> me. Me. Like, I consider cooking... <laughs> I consider cooking putting milk in cereal. <laughs> like, I've, I've made a dish if I, when, I, when, I, when I make cereal. 
<laughs> and I'm making the sandwiches for Judge Judy. Good job, everyone. Hey, I can, can I tell you, and, and I hope our buddy PJ is experiencing this, the best chromosure sandwich I've ever had. Wait, say it again. Chromosure? <laughs> That's how you say it. Did you hurt yourself just now when you said that? Chromosure? <laughs> yes, thank you. That's much better. The best uh, Disney. In Disney last year when I went. Really? Yep. Unbelievable. Hey, look. Unbelievable. There's nothing they can't do down there. Damn good sandwich. There's nothing they can't do, Brian. Well, that's true. There's it's nothing really, they can't recreate. It's a little. It's a little weird. It's a little odd. Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, he's gonna come back a different person. He's been down there for like 16 days. That's possible. You know, I he, I said to him, I said, I, you said you were going on a Disney vacation. I didn't go, know you guys were moving into the friggin' Epcot Center. Gee whiz. Got Danny a summer job as uh, one of the dwarves. Uh, the Cachopos take Epcot. Yeah. <laughs> PJ does Epcot. Uh, okay, question number four, please. Question number four for Sandy Alderson. Is going to be... Um, Come on, hit him hard here. Hit him hard. Uh, I feel like I feel like you're leading me somewhere. Like there's a question that you're leading me to ask. Who me? That you want me to ask. Maybe. Yeah. You, yeah. Maybe. With your with your impish look. <laughs> We're not on Uvu. How do you know if my look is impish? I can just hear it in your voice. Yeah, it is pretty impish, I'm not gonna lie. Little old me. <laughs> little little old me. Well, I do declare. I'm going to pass question number four over to you. Oh, you can't do that. Of course I can, because there's a question you want to ask. I want you to have one question. I'll take question five, then. You'll take question five? Yes. Fair enough. I'll take question four. <laughs> Fair play to you. <laughs> I'll accept. <laughs> Nothing if not a gentleman. <laughs> question number four for Sandy Alderson... Um, why, why the advanced metrics so much? Why the numbers? Yeah. Why not utilize your experience in baseball and knowing who's a good, uh, what makes a good baseball player using your scouts, using your talent evaluators, using your eyes. Why so much with the numbers? I don't get it. Can I piggyback that a touch? Yeah, I'd like you to. Yeah, it's 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 more or not more. I would piggyback. I would follow that up with. And why do you continue to use advanced metrics to justify bad decisions? Yeah, that's a good one. It seems like you not only rely on it too heavily for scouting and player evaluation, but you continue to use it to justify or attempt to justify your bad decisions. So I, I would just piggyback that one. Yeah, that's good. And that you still want me to take five? Or you want one more? No, I want you to take five because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm intimidated by him. So I'm sitting in this room with him. <laughs> and he's a military man. He is a Marine. Um, 
I don't know. I, I, I can't think of a question to ask him. All right. Other than what I've already came up with. I'll finish him. Because I'm angry, Steve. Right. I can't think straight. Why do you lie, Sandy Alderson? <laughs> Can you please put that in the form of a Springer, <laughs> Jerry Springer sort of moment? Ooh, why you lie? You don't know me, Sandy Alderson. <laughs> San- he would be Sandy Alderson's. You don't know me, Sandy Alderson's. Um, my fifth question as proxy for you would be, would you admit that you punted the season? That was the question, yes. 2014, the day that Matt Harvey had arm surgery, Tommy John surgery. And if that's true, which we all know it is, follow up, follow up, R2 Sports, Steve San Pietro. What were you going to do? What would you have done if Matt Harvey didn't have Tommy John surgery? What was the plan? Yeah. What was the plan? And, I, and the reason I'm happy we close with that question, Bri, is because that's where I want to leave our Mets conversation for now. What is the plan? Like a cliffhanger? No, it's more, <laughs> it's more that you and I have said for the longest time with Sandy Alderson, you know what, I don't need to know the plan. It's okay, I trust you. And we did for three years. What is the plan? Now I want to know. Now I, now I think you do owe it to the fan base to tell us what is the plan. You don't have to be specific. Are you going to trade for a bat? Are you ever going to add a bat to this lineup? Are you going to improve the position players that need improving? where you can going to continue to run them out there and use obscure, advanced metrics to justify their playing. What is the plan going forward? Because this year is shot. What is the plan? Now I want to know. I gave you the benefit of the doubt for three years. So I guess that would really be like the fifth or sixth question. What is the plan. As Sean Connery once said, what are you prepared to do? That's the Chicago way. <laughs> and that's how you get Capone. We had we used that's to have not this. how Sean Connery said <laughs> that's it's close. It's uh that's a pretty good Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Chicago way. And that's how you get Capone. He sends one of yours to the hospital. You send one of his to the morgue. We had this, this long-running thing with uh, Jason O'Connell. You remember Jason O'Connell? Of course I do. Back in high school when that movie came out, and we, we had seen it a couple of times. It's, an, it's a really good movie. I mentioned it on the show a couple weeks ago that I watched it again recently, and it's really good. That didn't make you cry, did it? No. Uh, well, when, when he gets it, when Malone gets it. Spoiler alert. Come on. <laughs> Just amateur hour? You know better than that. Um, we had this running joke about like, wouldn't it have been great if like Connery just kept going, like and just started saying like really weird things, 
Like he asked one of your men to Lindy, you ask one of his to swing dance. That's the Chicago way. And like, it's always like, the Chicago way. Right. And like Goss is like, I'm pretty sure that's not the Chicago way. Now, and I, now I just don't know what you're talking about. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. <laughs> he sings the Star Spangled Banner, you sing Old Glory. What? What? Wait, what do I... What do you... How is that Chicago way? That's the Chicago way. And that's how you get Capone. <laughs> Not Connery. I make him like a... Um, an old Irish woman. <laughs> I, I make him the old Irish woman from Johnny Dangerously, for that's some what, reason. You should be bringing this Irish soda bread or something. Uh, you've been doing your homework. I'll give you that one. Wearing an apron. We're both swell lookers, we both scrub floors for a living, and we're both not Chinese. Well, you've been doing your homework. <laughs> can I, I, I want to, I just, my last thing on them, can I say one last thing of on course. the Mets? Just one last thing. I don't, cause of we, course, of course. Because I'd like to hear more of what you have in store. I have a pamphlet and a brochure. Okay, great. Here's my thing. Because and it, and it's it's kind of an answer to the question. I thought you guys liked Sandy Alderson, or you liked the plan, or whatever the question was. You're gonna bring it back around. I'm gonna kind of bring it back around because I wasn't listening before. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't here. Yes, I, I was here, just having technical difficulties. So, and I something I said to you last night. It's one thing to be a bad team. And you're trying, you're trying to make the moves, and the moves are just not working out. And you're bad, and it's just not working out for you, and, the, and the, it's frustrating as a fan, but at least you can see they're trying, they're just not that good enough. But they're trying. That's one thing. It's another thing to be a bad team and be told that the team is really good than it looks with your eyes. Trust us, we've got numbers to back it up. And to be insulted constantly by this group. Because for three years, and you said it, for three years we trusted them and we believed in the plan, whatever the plan was. We really felt, I mean, we, they were the adults coming in to take over. They were going to clean up the mess made by the, by the, the frat boys left behind. And they were going to fix things. And we were all in. We, we believed it, and, and we gave them three years. And they told us, 2014, payroll flexibility. We're going to have all of these contracts come off. We're going to have the ability to sign players and really improve the team. But you've got to kind of stick with us for those three years. And we did. We stuck with them through bad baseball, after bad baseball, after players leaving the team. Reyes, Beltran, all these guys, Santana, all these guys leaving the team. They were left with nobody. They were left with all of these AAA retreads or, or lightning in a bottle guys that they tried to bring in that they hoped would, would, they'd get something out of. But we stuck through all of that, all of that. And then we get to the offseason here. And what did it for me was the way he handled first base. Lucas Duda, and, and to a lesser extent, Josh Satin. And what I mean by the way he handled first base was by the way he did nothing at first base at all. Did nothing. Went through the entire winter 
with two guys that are like identical players and kept trying to tell us that the team was close. And then they lose, and they, they play the season, and they're losing, and they're bad. Steve, they're, they're, they're just, it's just a bad, unwatchable team. Terrible baseball team. For the, for the fifth year in a row. Yep. And to, and to stand up in front of me, because he's standing right in front of me. He's walked through my door, standing right in front of me. I'm sitting in the living room. I <laughs> get decent for him. He's standing right there, and he looks at me in the eye. And he says, we're close. And we're not going to change anything. And we can't just get rid of everybody. To sit there and tell me that they're... I've been insulted way too much. Yep. And look, you and I, they they don't come anymore diehard. They might, but you'd be hard pressed to find anybody that gives a team the benefit of the doubt like we do and will support the team no matter what. I mean, we, we have been through really bad years, really bad eras with this team, and we stayed with them. As much as we didn't like it, we stayed with them. I've never seen anything like this in the, in the 35 years I've been following this team. I've never seen anything like this. This is different because in the past they were bad teams and there were bad decisions being made, but there also wasn't really a plan in some cases. Now they've got a plan and the plan is just bad and there's no hope. And that's where I'm at with this team right now. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's too much. And I feel like I hate to use the word betrayed because that's such a dramatic word. But that's kind of how I feel right now because I gave them three years and I trusted them and I feel like my trust was let down by this, this group that thinks they know better than everybody and are really acting like it now too. It's not like their plan worked and now they're gloating about it and like, right. yeah, see, we knew. You, you, you should have listened to us because we knew. It's their plan is not working at all. And they're still acting like they know more than we do. And they're still telling us that it's working. Right. Like they, you, yeah, they're, you, they're trying to... That's the continued insult. You said something in there, Bri, that was extraordinarily salient and important for this conversation. And that is, first of all, it's, it's, we gave them three years on top of the 30 we've already given them. You know what I mean? Like, we've been this sort of fan, as you said. It doesn't come more diehard than us. It's not like we only gave them three years. No. Like, this is, this is on top of, you know, 30 years, uh, 32 years, and 25 of those have been futile. <laughs> you know? So, we gave them three years. But the, the idea of just wait, just give us a chance, just hang in there until 2014 is a direct quote. Right. Well, he didn't, he didn't, it's not a perception. He said it. He didn't use the year 2014, but he said it, Bri. Yeah, no, he, he, he all but said it because no, 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 no. He, he, he may not have said 2014 the year, but in his postmortem, on with Mike Francesa in 2012, 
Okay, Francesa asked him, you know this, you listen to it. Francesa asked him, tell the Met fan why there should be hope. Just hang in there with us. You know, I know it's been painful. I have to watch these games too. Remember the the quote? Oh, yeah, I do. But there's light at the end of the tunnel. We have a plan, and it's coming soon. So hang in there with us. Then last year, in September, you know, when Harvey went down, he goes on with Mike Francesa and says the same thing. Hang in there. We're going you know, this is, we know the honeymoon is over. You know, uh, I, I know this, there's, uh, there's got to be an edict to win eventually. I mean, he said these things. That's a direct quote. What you said, hang in there, is a direct quote. Maybe that's where I got it. And, and Francesca said to him at the time, you're talking about 2014, you know, when money comes off the books and everybody's been looking at that year. And, you know, all I'll say is this, just hang in there. Well, we have. Okay. But, but see, what's he saying now? He's, he's saying the same thing. Well, not really. No, but I'm, he, I'm, I'm saying he's, he's telling us now that his plan is working. Well, that's, that's, that's the thing. When we can see that it's not. So he's telling us, well, you hung in there and, you know, I gave you a team. We should be better. It says on paper... Right. That our run differential is my, only minus six, and we're 10 and 20 in one-run games. We should be better. It's almost like he's saying it's not my fault. It, it, that's, it's not almost like he's saying that. That's what he's saying. So whose fault is it? It's his. He put the players on the field. No, no, no I know that. But, who, but who, in his mind, who's he trying to... I, I don't know. It's the law of averages and statistics. It's like you said in a joking fashion at the beginning of all this. Oh, the hits will come, and those wins will come. It'll even out. Well, they believe that. I, I, know, I know, and that's what they're I'm selling. I'm not joking. That's what they're selling this plan on now. Now this, it's just like you just said, Brian. It's one thing to you know, have a plan in place, and it's not working, and you just you see it's not working. You just let that lie. He's telling us that it is working. To justify that he's going to keep doing what he's been doing. We're really close. And that's, that's the most insulting thing you possibly say. What is the plan going forward? Because you're 11 games under 500. And I got news for you. By the All-Star break, you're probably going to be 15 games under 500. And you're on your way to a 70-win season. What is is the plan. Don't tell me run differential. Don't give me Lucas Duda's exit velocity speed. I don't want to hear it. I don't. I don't want to hear it anymore. Don't tell me Ruben Tejada's OBP or his nine-game hitting streak when he's had nine singles and zero RBIs in nine games. That does not mean he's hot as a firecracker. Doesn't. Sorry. This is the this is the same Ruben Tejada who, by the way, couldn't be bothered to be facing home plate on the first pitch of the game last night. The players are, the players are playing so hard for Sandy Alderson that Ruben Tejada couldn't bother to be looking at home plate when the game started. 
And so Upton hits a ground ball through the hole because Ruben Tejada is in short left field with his back to the plate. They're playing so hard. Eric Young Jr. gets picked off down 3-1 to one in the sixth inning as the tying run. He stole a base by 52 steps in the third inning or the fourth inning or whatever. Now it's the sixth inning, and he's got to get a bigger jump. Gets picked off there. Juan Lagares, who I love, is bunting. As the tying run in a 3-1 game, he's bunting when the third baseman is in. Eric Young on first base. Nobody out. Why are you trying to bunt for a base hit when the third baseman's in? If I see Daniel Murphy get thrown out stealing second base one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. Well, that's because he didn't get thrown out for 30 straight times. So I'm going to lose my mind. So enough. Stop telling me what my eyes can see. And and I I think you're right, Bri. And you you know that word. Look, we've been doing this show for four and a half years, and the Mets have not been competitive for a day of it. <laughs> okay, this is episode number one hundred and eighty-two, and they have sucked for all of it. Well, no, that's not true. We had a month in tw- in oh eleven twelve. The year that they, they Santana pitched the no hitter. They were in first place in June. That's right. They were eight games over, maybe. Yeah. They were ready to... That was, that was when they were going to take off. He had many pitches a no-hitter on top of it. Right. Reyes is leading the league in batting average. They swept the Cardinals, or whatever it was. Right? No, was that Reyes? Was Reyes there still? No. Reyes wasn't. That was the year before. That was 11. The year before, they were competitive until Reyes got... Or, uh... Uh, yeah, they were a little competitive in 11. Yeah. Which is why they didn't trade him. Right. Because they, they felt like they were still hanging around. They were competitive for a little bit in 12. That's right. Until June. I thought it was actually until August. I thought it was until Murphy got hurt. No, no. Last year... That's 11. Uh, right. That was 11. In 2012, or was it, was it last year, when they were about to... They wound up losing to the Cubs right before the All-Star break. Yes. I think That's that the game that G got hurt. Right. I think that was last year. No, it's two years ago. It was 2012. Yep. Okay. So since then, you can actually go back to then. You can go back to that point. And they've been really bad since then. Yeah. It's just been, it's just, now I, 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 apathy has set in. It's not dangerously close to apathy. That's what Callet's whole artic, article was about. Yeah. I don't care. He writes in the article. I don't care when they're playing in the, on the West Coast. I'm not watching it. I used to be up till you know one thirty in the morning watching the game. I don't care. I went to see, he said I went to sleep, slept like a baby. Yep. I woke up at three and saw that they blew a lead in the ninth inning to the Giants. I went right back to sleep. Those losses used to keep me up all night. Mm-hmm. Yet, yet, because we we like to throw the apathy word around. Yet we look how angry we get when we talk about them. But that, but. We do get angry when we talk about them. Where you and I are in a forum where we can do that right now, but apathy has set in for me watching them. Oh, for me, me for sure. I I didn't watch hardly uh, maybe two innings of the Brave series this week. Right. 
I didn't watch it. I watched, unfortunately. It, like, it's just on. Like, I, Wesley, Wesley likes to watch it, and I just flip it on. Yeah, I see. I don't even put it on anymore. It's, it's, it's so bad. He is so right. It's so much better to watch it on GameCast. It really is. And just watch them little dots going and just, around. And just, or just, you know, see on at bat, Daniel Murphy strikes out looking. Okay, that's good. I didn't see him, as he says in his article, I didn't see him, you know, have to watch three fastballs right down the middle of the plate. Or, or as he did the other night in the Braves game, swing at a fastball, 0-2, that was over his head. Over his head. Because he's trying to hit an eight-run home run. Uh, I can't. And I see, you're right, I'm getting upset. But see, that's the thing. That, that's, that's what frustrates me about it is because I'd like to think that I'm apathetic about them. I don't watch the games. I really could care less. But then I find myself rooting for them to lose. Yeah. I find myself rooting... And, for... and we've never done that before. No, and again, we talked about this the other night. We're rooting for specific players to have success, right? Yes. There's, there are guys on the team that we want to see do well. I want the team to lose because I think the people that put this team together deserve the embarrassment. Yep. That's what they've, that's what they've earned. Yep. I want them to lose every game, and I want people to rip them and make fun of them. And not because I think it's going to force them to change things, because they're never going to change things. Ever. They're, they're not. I mean, they're here for the duration. They're but not, I, they're not but changing I, anything. But I want them to continue. I want, you know, we've suffered so much sticking by them and, and listening to the barbs and the jokes and being made fun of. And, and you know, how could you do that to your kid? What is that? It's child abuse. Yeah. We've heard that our whole lives as Met fans. That's my favorite. Right? Now... I want them to feel that. I want them to keep losing. Well, it's the, and it's the ownership. Like, you want the ownership to find It's ownership, it. and it's Andy Alderson. Yeah. Yep. I don't even care about Terry Collins anymore. He's, oh, he's I just, just want him gone. He's just I, so bad. Yeah, I know. I, his time has just completely passed him by. He really but, is. But I don't even... Him, him, I really have apathy for. I really don't care about him. Right. See, I, he, I actively dislike him. I know you do. <laughs> I know. All right, that's. I got more stuff to do. We got. We got right, time go. for some more stuff. Okay. Let's, let's go. Let's go. Okay. What are you waiting for? Really quick on the hockey. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna make the quick downshift, and just tell you that I know you won't ever listen to uh, Joe and Evan. I nope. know that. I don't even know who that is. I wish you could listen to this interview. Yeah, you could tell me about it. I have to give Evan Roberts. Um, some credit. I really do. By the way, the dialect, just in case you didn't know, has gotten really bad. Like the him doing the Brooklyn thing. Uh-huh. Oh, man. I, he sounds like a different person. He's doing it on purpose. Yes. It's so affected. It's really ridiculous. Like he sounds like he's doing a character. Like, a bad, like a bad character. Yeah, and he's not good at it. Yeah. It's bad. Bad. It sounds like somebody doing like a really bad John Patrick Shanley play, <laughs> and like doing like Danny in the Deep Blue Sea, and like trying to do the Brooklyn, like a Brooklyn dialect. Oh, it's 
bad. Um, but credit where credit is due. Beningo continues to be an idiot. As I said, Garth is so unpolished and sort of doesn't care that he is, mm-hmm. that he was immediately confrontational. Oh, really? Oh, Garth was, absolutely. Like, you guys have never had me on the show. And then he called out Evan and said, you know, or uh, Joe was like, uh, Evan, you should, uh, you should probably go, bro, because you're, you know, you're the Islander fan here. And so he's like, yeah, you know, as an Islander fan. And Garth's like, well, hold on a second. You know, I heard from Paul Schwartz that you only go to Islander games when you get the tickets for free. He's like, I understand you don't have season tickets for the Islander fans, so I don't know what kind of Islander fan you are. Good. Yeah, it was great. It was great. And, and again, Robert Stewart's crazy. He's like, that's true. He's like, but I live in Queens. He's like, now you're moving to the Barclays Center. I'm thinking about maybe investing and becoming a joint... And his dialect is that thick, Brian. I believe it. And becoming a joint season ticket holder. All right. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so Garth was Garth was good. Like he didn't take any guff or whatever. And but again, to Evan Roberts' credit, he asked a number of questions, most of which I'm sure he's seen on Twitter. Honestly, most of which he he probably has seen on Islander fans on Twitter asking. Right. And so. To his credit, he smartly used those uh, or, or addressed those things. He addressed Vanek. He addressed Molson. He addressed the two guys that they signed. He addressed the difficulty in getting free agents to come to the team. He, uh, you know, Robert smartly asked him, Bry, about Vanek. Um, well, first Beningo did. I didn't get that whole trade, bro. I didn't get that whole trade. That's what he said. And so Garth goes, well, what'd we get back? What'd we give up for him? That was Garth's response to Beningo. And what did Beningo say? And Beningo's like, uh, 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 He couldn't answer, right? Was, was, and Robert jumped in and was, well, you know, you gave up Matt Molson. And he goes, he goes, right. And what was Matt Molson? He was an expiring, free, expiring contract. Right. He's like, now, you guys don't know. I had a conversation with Matt Molson's agent in October, and I was told that we were probably going to be out of their price range. So I made the decision at that time to trade for trade an expiring contract for another expiring contract, another free agent to be, who, by the way, is an elite player, and who I thought made our team better at the time, and he did for a while. He was on a point-per-game pace, he got to play with Tavares, and for a while it was like the best line, one of the best lines in the NHL. So I don't regret the trade by any means. And we pretty much knew we were going to have, he goes, um, he goes, you saw what Matt Molson got. We were not going to be there. So he pretty much insinuated like they had moved on from Molson. He talked more about Molson later on. Um, so then Robert said, again, Bright, much to his credit, he said, well, also, I... Th- I th- Say it I- like him. He goes, uh, <laughs> it's not that it matters to you, but I like to trade. Because I thought, you got to, you know, you have a tough time getting free agents here. And the best way to sell the Islanders and the island is to have them play next to JT, to be in that locker room, 
to get the guy in your building. So I thought it was a good move from that standpoint because you're not, you know, you have a tough time signing free agents. I thought that was – and uh, Garth goes, absolutely. He goes, that was absolutely in our thinking. He goes, we knew if we were cold calling Thomas Vanek on, June, on July 1st, there's no chance he's taking our call. So we thought we get him in the building, we get him with our coaching staff, we get him in the locker room, we get him with JT. And he goes, and Garth goes, hey, look, guys, I was on this other side as a player, you know, and being a free agent. And all Long Island was was the Coliseum, the Marriott, and Hempstead Turnpike. <laughs> and you got out of town. So we feel like if we can get a guy in here and see that Long Island is a great place to live and see that the fan base is unbelievably passionate, and see that the team is great, and it's, Long Island's a great place to raise your kids, and there's way more to it than the Marriott, the Nassau Coliseum, and Hempstead Turnpike. That's what we have to do. So he confirmed that. It was really interesting. See, I wish there was a follow-up that would have asked him why. Why is, why is it such a problem to get players to come here? He did. I mean, he essentially did. You know, it, it, that, that follow-up, Bri, was, again, I, I have to give Roberts credit because that follow-up was sort of implied. And uh, Snow said, you know, the, the organization was in disrepair for a really long time. You know, they haven't won in a really long time. And we have to rely on word of mouth because guys fly in and they see the Marriott and the Coliseum and they don't think there's, they don't even think they're in New York city. Well, they're not. And and he goes, and we haven't won in a long time. And so we have to do more to sell the team, to sell the organization. You know, he's like, but it's getting better. He's like word of mouth guys, playing in world championships and stuff like that has been much better for us. But we felt with Vanek, with Thomas Vanek specifically, we were going to have a much better opportunity to sign him if we didn't, you know, we weren't cold calling him on July 1st. He's right about that. And he, and he said, he said, and I think if you read the reports and you listen to what Thomas said, and I don't know what other offers they fielded or what happened or how close we were, he said, but according to Thomas, we were right there. It was between us and Minnesota. So at least we gave him something to think about. That was the best we could do. You know, so that was great. He talked about Kuhleman and, um, and Grabowski, and that was another good question by Roberts, which was how much has moving to Brooklyn helped to get free agents? Has it helped? And he said, absolutely. And he said, I can tell you it came up with both of those guys. That they're going to be playing in a state-of-the-art facility and they're going to be in Brooklyn and there's you know, a, a great Russian community and stuff like that. Like, that came up for both of those guys. Hmm. You know, so overall, it was, it was a good interview. Garth didn't take back anything he said on TSN. You know, they gave him like a little guff for that. And he was like... He's like, you know, I think it galvanizes our team. I do. I think these guys read and they see what's said about us and they see what's said about our franchise. And and, and he goes, and I don't care. I don't care what people think. I'm trying to put together a Stanley Cup winning team. 
And he talked a lot about the rebuild, Bry, and it was great. It was really good. You know, he talked a lot about how painful rebuilding is, and he's like, he, he's like, guys, I'm not gonna lie to you, it hasn't been pretty. And our fans have had to sit through and watch a lot of this, and they do. You know, he's like, to their credit, because you know, Roberts asked him, like, what would you say to the Islander fan that's annoyed and angry right now? You know, it's been 20 years since you've won a playoff series. And he's like, I understand their anger. I get it. It's been hard. And we took a huge step back last year. You know, he's like, I have to make sure that doesn't happen again. So it was really good. I felt great about it. I really did. Good. As an Islander fan, and this brings me to my question for you. If you had to put together, if you were asked today your strongest rooting interests by team in order from strongest to weakest, you know, from strongest to least passionate, what would that rooting order be? Today, July 3rd? Yes. No, I, well, I'm not trying to be wise. It has a lot to do with the seasons that you're in, too. No, it's got to be, you've got to have an overall one. Because this, this, this pantheon doesn't really waver, does it? No, I mean, it's still, it's, it's still Mets. They're still number one. Mets are number one. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's Mets, Islanders, Jets. Okay. It always has been. It always will be, but... And Knicks four. Uh, A distant four. Yeah. I mean, like, Knicks, like, Knicks and Jets aren't close. No, and you could make an argument that St. John's is ahead of the Knicks for me. That's fair. You could maybe. I don't know. Would you say that Jets and Islanders are close? Jets, I'm, what I would say is that all three of them are very close right are, now. Are tightly bunched. Yeah, and it wasn't always like that. The Mets were always well ahead of both. Okay. And, and even the Islanders were kind of pretty far ahead of the Jets. And now you would say that's a... I think the, I think the gap between the Islanders and the Jets have closed a little bit. Right. But then the gap between the Mets and the Islanders is closed a lot. So, wow. so it pushes all three of them very, very, very close to each other. And then when the seasons change, when we get to the fall, the Mets go right, they go to the bottom. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a given. It's, it's obviously going to be seasonal, but it's got, you got to have an overall pantheon. You got to. Yeah, well, overall, it's the Mets because because it's always been right. It's okay. always been, and and it's very difficult to just to change that. Let me ask you a question, then. And then you have to. Answer I know, it. I I know, I don't need permission, but I'm gonna. I ask for permission to answer. Ask you a question anyway. You didn't. You didn't ask. You said let me like. Right. I demanded that I let you. <laughs> Go ahead. May I ask you a question? You don't have to ask. Such a... Um, <laughs> make me go through hoops. Is there any chance the Islanders could overtake the Mets? And move into the one spot. The year-round one spot. 
I don't think so. I think... No. I don't think so. So the Mets will always pretty much... <laughs> as bad as it's gotten. And you said earlier in this podcast, it's as bad as it's ever been. Yeah, well... If the Islanders go on a run and make a playoff run and win a series, and it's JT and Ox and Strom and, you know, they're building this young group of guys. and Franzi. Nelson and, uh, you know, Lee and, and Franzi and Grabs and Matty Martz and Zeker. And we don't have a good nickname for Halak yet, but we'll get C-Mac. one. C-Mac. C-Mac. C-Mac's going to be looking for work. Yeah, I hope he is. Um, they can't overtake the Mets. I don't. I can't. I can't see it. I can't see it because the Mets in baseball are just so. I don't know. That's my life. I mean, other than my family. But I'm, that's, <laughs> I'm glad you got that caveat in. I had to get that in. Yeah. But you, you know what I mean? Like, that's my whole life has revolved around baseball and the Mets. And that's 35 years. It's hard for me to imagine that not being the case. Okay. I suppose it's possible. And if they continue to do what they're doing, they're, they're going to chip away at that big time. And for me to even, for me to even like, say that that's a possibility right now is a huge step. Okay. That I never thought would happen. All right. So there you go. How about you? Answer your own question. Yeah, I've been I've been kicking this one around since I thought of it. The Jets and the Mets have honestly vacillated, have gone back and forth. I have vacillated between the Mets and the Jets in the one spot. Mm-hmm. I feel, much as you do, that the Mets have always sort of been there in the one spot because there's something visceral about the Mets. Good. There's there's something where my gut tightens. Yep. And I have a visceral physical reaction to certain things with the Mets. Like I care that much. Mhm. But I have that with the Jets to an extent as well. And I've, you know, the Islanders have always been third on that list, but a, a, you know, again, very tightly bunched group. There have been periods where the Islanders and the Jets were miles apart. Right. The two and the three. Always loved the Islanders. But in the last five years, five or six years, since, you know, since Tavares, and actually before Tavares, in the draft, the Bailey draft, I was really into I've sort of come back. And now, I love hockey. I always loved hockey. I, I, am, I was watching, the, I had the free agency tracker open. You love it, hockey or you love the Islanders? I love the Islanders, but I love hockey too. Okay. Like I'm starting to really, the Islanders are pushing and if the Mets keep this up, I don't know. I don't know what could happen, Brian. Yeah, well, that's, 
and that's the thing. I don't, I don't know what could happen. I can't see it happening, but they're really trying to see what would happen. They're, 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 they're really, they're really pushing it. Yeah. You know? I feel, I feel like at this point, the Jets are about two seconds away from leapfrogging into the first spot, year-round first spot. Over the Mets. Over the Mets. So the Islanders are never going to... The Islanders could never be number one. The Islanders could absolutely be number one. It just... A lot would have to... You know what would have to happen for that to happen? That was terribly phrased. (laughs) Allow myself to introduce (laughs) myself. Um, Would be for the Mets and the Jets to win championships. Because then I could allow the Islanders in. You know what I mean? Like then, I think yeah. I, I think there would be a, a sati- uh, satiation satiated. I think it would be satiated. Satiation's right. probably not a word. Yeah. It feels really wrong. No, that's <laughs> not right. Rolling out. Just... <laughs> that's the only. That's I shouldn't say that's the only way. I am. I love the Islanders. Yeah, I know. I I know. I know, but we're out of season right now. And if they were to be like a competitive playoff team, and not that even that I need them to be a competitive playoff team, because I watched 81 games last year. <laughs> I, watched, I watched a lot of Islander games last year, a lot. What about the other three? I miss those. <laughs> you know, I watched a lot of Islander games last year. Right. I think it's also... See, I have a situation that you don't necessarily have because I have the boys. And I think I may have a scenario where Wesley's favorite sport to watch right now is hockey. No kidding. Really? Loves it. Wow. He'll watch two innings of a baseball game with me. He'll watch a half of football. Maybe. You know, I think this year is going to be better because, you know, he's going to be four or whatever. Um, he has sat and watched entire hockey games with me. Entire hockey games. Like, on TV. He will sit there and watch. He'll, we'll make it through the periods. In between periods, we'll play hockey in the house. And then we'll get to the second period after the Zamboni. Like, he knows the Zamboni and stuff. Like, he has... There's something about that game that he really likes. Well, it's easy. It's, it's a fun game to watch, especially if you're a kid. It's very easy, too. Yeah, because there's, there's action, constant action. It's constant action, and it's basic. You want right. the you want the Islanders to score. Right. You want the Islanders to. You don't need to know strategy. You don't need to know this or that or whatever. You just need to know that you want the Islanders to put the puck in the net. Right. If the Islanders put the puck in the net, it's a good thing. If they don't, and the other team does, it's a bad thing. It's pretty basic. I mean, I think that's why soccer's so easy to watch. Yeah. So, I, I, I don't know. I think the Pantheon question is very interesting. It is very interesting. I would be interested to bring... Because Evan... Uh, and, and that was one of the things that That's, he... Think yeah. Was that Evan saying that soccer and United States soccer had supplanted everything except football. The only loss he takes harder than the loss the other day would be the Jets in the playoffs. And that's the Yankees are way down the list for him now. Yeah, I know. Well, but then you know, four championships also helps that. 
Five. Um, five. Right. I forgot one. He's got the one for the thumb. He did. Good for him. All right. We should wrap up. We we didn't even get to memorabilia again. Save it. That's memorabilia is becoming Lindsey Buckingham. That's going to be a good one eventually. Can I ask you two really quick ones? Uh, yeah. Did you, do you like, I talked, I basically summed up Garth Snow's interview without actually asking you, do you like that signing? Because I don't know, I didn't get a great feel for you on text. Which signing? The Kuhlman and Gravoski ones. Oh no, I loved it. Loved you, it. You did. Oh, I, I, and it completely blew me away. Like, it came out of nowhere. I think we were all just, like, floored by it. Yes. Um, loved it. I think it's great. I think it, I think it adds uh, depth to the team. I think it's kind of what we talked about a couple of days ago, that they need somebody to come and take their money to open the door. Yeah. Th- those two guys are not marquee guys, but they're legitimate. It's a ready-made line. It's two-thirds of a line. Yeah. They're going to play together. You stick somebody with them, that's your second line right there. Yep. In one day, you just added a second line to your team. That's that's. That's impressive. And they did something else that we talked about, right? They did. They knew they had to overpay, so they did. So they did. I mean, they they actually, you know, Snow said it, Cal, like 15 times in this interview. He's like, we spent $40 million this offseason. Yeah. We've spent $40 million. We've given out $40 million in contracts. You know, that's not all for one year, obviously, but we've given out $40 million in contracts. Look, here's the other thing, and I'll touch on it real quick. When we were talking about it on Tuesday, which was the first day of free agency, and we're sitting there and we're watching all of the marquee names go somewhere else. Right. And we don't know at the time that they're turning down Islanders' offers. We don't know if Garth Snow is just not in on them. We don't know any of that. But the assumption is that he's not, right? That was the assumption we had. That was, that was my assumption. Absolutely. Right, and, and that was a fair assumption. Um, so it was frustrating, but you, you were more frustrated than I was. And the reason why I took a more measured approach to it was because they had already taken care of their biggest need, which was much different than what they've done in the past. Right. So they, they go into every off season with like huge holes and needs to fill. And what they do is they bargain basement shop and they just get depth guys on cheap contracts, and they just throw, like, quantity instead of quality. And that's, like, the Bouchard signing last year and Regan, and that's what they did. They didn't address the areas that they needed to. This year was different because they went out and got the goalie. And then they got a backup goalie, and their backup goalie now is better than anybody they had last year. Yes. So because they did that, it was it was frustrating to watch them not sign a big player, but I was I was okay because I knew they at least improved the the part of the team that they needed to improve the most. Right. They they addressed he addressed their most glaring issue. Right. Already. So that, yeah. So that's and he, why. I was, and he did so in very aggressive fashion by trading for Halak. And yeah, he did. And he tried to and he tried to trade for Boyle. I mean, yep. he traded for Boyle, but. And he tried to exclusively you know use the exclusive window to sign Boyle, and they offered Boyle three years. He took two. Yeah, they offered Richards more money than he took from Chicago. Right. They offered Vanek more money than he took from Minnesota. They offered Aginla more years than he got. 
Yeah, know, so I mean, taken, so. there's not not a whole lot you could do about that. No, he went. He did go super aggressive, and then he got the package deal. I mean, I think that was one thing that was interesting that I had read was, you know, Kuhlman and Grabowski wanted to play together. Right. And there's, you know, there's an article back in April about like, could this happen? Well, it's very rare because what team, you know, has the cap room to do it? And blah, blah, blah. they didn't count on the Islanders. Hey, here's a team that needs to get to the floor. <laughs> yeah. That's it. They can find both of them just to get to the cap floor. But um, I think they, so I think they benefited from that. And so oh, they totally o- did. So overall, I think they, they had a legitimate off season here. And they're, you know, they've got the depth now to go and trade to get the defensemen that they need. Well, he said that was one thing he said. He said, don't count on that. Okay. He said, don't, because that was, again, to uh, Evan Roberts' credit, that was the question he asked. He said, you know, now I'll tell you what I'm dreaming of. Now you've gotten all these forwards and you've gotten all this depth. Say it like him. I'm dreaming of a top five defenseman. Of a top five guy. I don't get to listen to him, so you have to speak yeah. like him whenever you're... And he said, well, those are lovely dreams to have, but it's it's not likely because those they just don't part. Nobody's parting with those guys. I, and, that's, and that's fair, and he's right. But no. also, also remember that Wednesday morning, he declared they were done. Right. And right. then all of a sudden, he signs an entire line. Right. Later and, day, and, so. and he also brought up the point that they think Griffin Reinhardt, they think... Um, is going to be that. I mean, they think he's going to be a a top two defenseman sooner than later. Okay. Well, yeah, it's time, right? Yeah. I think so. You know that. You know who's a guy who's kind of hidden there. Cal is straight. Yeah. Now, just as a veteran defenseman who's only like twenty seven, by the way, he looks like he's fifty. Is he really only that? He's only twenty seven. I would have. I would have thought at least in his thirties. Yeah. No, Brian Strait. <laughs> Let's see. Um, I I want to say thirty-two. No, he's. I think he's twenty-seven or twenty-eight. That's crazy. Uh, while I'm looking this up, uh, Carmelo got an offer, a max offer from. <laughs> Here you go. Brian Strait's twenty-six years old. Twenty-six. He's not even twenty-six. That's correct. <laughs> That's correct. Wow. He's, he's twenty-six years old. All right. There you go. Good job, everyone. But I, I have him as like the elder statesman defenseman. Um, I think he's a guy that can be a steadying veteran defenseman. I really do. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I th- I, what I would like to see is enough depth there that we don't have to watch Matt Karkner out there. Well, and you, you shouldn't. Not with Churchman and, and Reinhardt should make this club. Who's Churchman? The Churchman kid. I don't know who that is. That's the kid that they got from the college that signed with them last oh, year. Oh, oh, right. That he played at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a player. I don't know why that name, that doesn't ring a bell, Churchman. Because it's spelled like C-Z-U-Z. Churchman. Yeah, but it's pronounced Churchman. There's an R? There's not an R, but it's pronounced Churchman. Why are you doing this to me? I saw it. Oh, so it's the opposite of a silent R. Correct. It's the sound of an R, but the letter's not there. Why are you fighting me? I'm not fighting you. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to understand it. I'm not fighting you. You're making me feel bad now. No, no, no. I'm trying to understand it. I don't care for your tone. Okay, well. His, uh, it's C-Z-U-C-Z-M-A-N. But the first day he came up, the phonetic they had was C-U-R-C-H-U-R-C-H-M-A-N. Churchman. Churchman. Okay. But maybe it is Churchman. 
No, I don't. I'm look. I'm not. I don't know. I'm not trying to challenge you. I'm trying to understand it. I don't know what it is. He's. Uh, he's Please don't take offense. He's. Uh, it's too late. He's okay. only uh, 23. That kid. They're all kids, Steve. Yep. They're all kids. But I'm saying he was. He was. Uh, he was the the Lake Superior State kid that they signed because Dougie Waite. That's Dougie Waite's. Um, alma mater. And. <laughs> and. Don't sleep on. Slept. Like, I love. I love saying that. Sleeping. Don't sleep on. <laughs> Exhausted. Uh, T.J. Bennett, AHL Defenseman Player of the Year. Yeah, I not like the, it. No, I like it. Defenseman Player of the Year. Defenseman of the Year. Yes, AHL Defenseman of the Year. He scored 25 goals in the AHL as a defenseman. Didn't he have like 72 points? Yeah, he, well, yeah. So 25 goals in 50, 40, 40, 47 assists or something like that? Yeah, no, he's he's legit. He's the what? Uh, I'll tell you the why. Yes, I, I would not sleep in him at all. I thought that was a good one-way contract. I thought it was great. So he's got a chance to make the team. Reinhardt's here. You know, uh, Hamannick, uh You you have, you know, Hickey's still in the mix. Viznovsky's there. You're going to get a full year out of DeHaan. Calvin DeHaan is there. Donovan is there. You know, he mentioned Vili Polka today. You know, like, there's guys. There's a ton of guys. And now they have a ton of forwards, too. Well, that's, yeah. So, I, I, I like everything Gar Snow's done. I really do. Okay, last thing, and then we're wrapping up. Okay. Car- Carmelo Anthony, is he a Nick? Who did he get the max offer from tonight? The Lakers. the Lakers. Yes. Okay. How much less money is it than the Knicks can offer him? I think it's $40 million less. He's a Nick. I think, or $35 million less. less. He would it's, be a it's, Nick. It's significant. No chance he's not a Nick. I don't think they make him the max offer. What do you think of that? Uh, I don't think they make him the max offer, but I still think they offer him more than any other team will. And he just goes for the money? Yep. Really? They always go for the money. It's true. I heard somebody say it. But I they think, always... I think he'll be a Laker. Hmm. Well. Kinky. <laughs> I'm not sure how to react. I don't even know how to react. All right, Cal, final unload. Hey, stay safe. <laughs> People. Fireworks. Hurricane Arthur. It's going to be a wet force, but stay safe and have fun. My final unload is I'd like to wish a happy 15th anniversary to my buddy Cal and his wife. Alex. That's, is that her name? That, that's who it is. I'm aware. Thanks. I was there, pal. You were there. I was there, too. July 2nd, 1999. You know what else happened that night? Happy anniversary, buddy. You know what else happened that night? What's that? Mets lost to the Braves 15-1. That's right. 15-1. to Good night, everyone. It all comes back to it. You know what happened on my wedding night? Oh, what? David Wright got hit in the head by Matt Kane. <laughs> and was concussed. Oh, boy. April 15th, 2009. Or August 15th, 2009.
Islanders number one with a bullet. What? No, I'm saying the Islanders are going to become number one. <laughs> Wait, any minute now. They're shooting up the list. Boy, our wedding days were not good days for the Yeah, well, let's keep it at once. Once is enough. 15 to 1, and David Wright got beamed. Had to wear the, had to wear the great kazoo helmet. Oh, okay. it's all because of me. In the 15-1 game, that's when John Franco uh, broke his finger. That's right. <laughs> and it was the debut of Armando Benitez as the closer. Which, of course, the lesson is you can never get married again. Never. <laughs> Happy anniversary, buddy. Thanks, buddy. See you next week. Happy 4th. Be safe. Stay cool. All right. <laughs>